Greetings and welcome to Cool Radio Stories, a podcast for independent radio stations in small to medium-sized markets. Presented by Cool Radio Streaming. Now here's your host, Tom Dobrez. Welcome to the podcast today. I'm Tom Dobrez, owner of Cool Radio Streaming. With us today is a gentleman who's been involved with radio for about two decades, all in the same market. Uh, that's called Endurance. He currently manages six radio stations in southwest Oklahoma. He is a publisher as well of a Penny News Saver Shopper and also a very interesting TV network of high school sports streaming, which we'll get into. But first, let's have our let's listen to the cool radio story of Gabe Edney. Gabe, thanks for joining us. Man, Tom, thanks for having me on. I've uh, kind of been looking forward to this after we talked about it a little while back, and I just can't wait to tell you a story that, man, I've I've really been, uh, I haven't thought about until you asked me about it the other day, and I thought, you know what, I better think about how did I get into radio? And, you know, I just kind of, I just thought, I thought it through a little bit, and I was just kind of amazed myself about going, why did I get into radio? And now I know why. Okay, great. Well, we're going to explore that in a minute as we hear your cool radio story. But first, I just want to make some programming notes for our listeners. This There is, a fact, a cloud hanging over this production at this particular time when we're recording this. The world remains pretty much in quarantine over the coronavirus COVID-19 crisis. And we're going to hear Gabe's thoughts about uh, some survival tactics for radio stations uh, in a moment. But I'm going to table that more towards the end of our show. I'll also inform the listener that we will hear from attorney John Garziglia during our Ask John segment of the podcast. We'll ask John about some pressing legal matters in the radio world. We'll also check in with John Wenzung of Radio Max for his insight in our really cool audio column we call Digging Into Digital, a look at digital media and the radio landscape. But first things first, it's Gabe Ebney, and you've been hanging on to this story, so now it's time to tell us. <laughs> I always lead off these interviews with the same question. What was radio job number one for you? Radio job number one is I'm sitting here right now. Uh, it's the same job. I've had the same one since I've started. Uh, it's just interesting that I've came here, left for a year, then came back and been here since since then. But uh, it was uh it was quite a while back I'd, I'd say in in 2001 I about t- uh, a year before that 2000 I was working in Western Oklahoma it's it's oil field and I worked in the oil field a little bit and I wasn't out in the field I worked in uh in a place where I was calibrating some oh some high low pilots for for wells and they're just little pilots that you calibrate and you build them and stuff like that and I love the job I love working on stuff and fixing and figuring things out but man it was uh the guy was writing me checks but they just weren't cashing and it just wasn't working out and i knew i had i had two kids on the ground at that time and i was only been married for about five years and man i was uh i needed to do something and i played a lot of softball back in those days and i went out and one of my buddies uh, named sean wilson uh, worked for the radio station he had already done broadcasting for probably five ten years here at this station and you know, I thought, well, I like music. 
maybe that's something I could do. And I thought that's what radio was all about. It was all about just the music and what station plays on and what type of music. And I said, hey, are you guys, you guys hiring over there? We were out playing ball together one day, one night. And he goes, yeah, maybe we are. I'll, uh, I'll talk to the owner. So the next day he calls me, he goes, yeah, hey man, I want you come in for an interview. And so I came in and it ended up not being exactly what I thought it was. I'm telling you, it was, it was so much more. And, and now I just, I just can't get enough of it. It's just, you know how radio is with a lot of people. It gets in your blood. You just don't leave. Yeah. Well, that's a great story. And you know, I, we're going to talk about some of your hiring practices, but it's funny because <laughs> I actually hired one of my best sellers ever off of a softball field. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Must be something to that. Maybe we're uh, getting on to something. But uh, we, like I said, let's table that as well. But let's talk about uh, maybe some of your highlights. Now, you've been, it's been over two decades in these markets and uh, maybe some of your highlights as you through the years. Some of the things that I've got to do uh, here at the radio station is, you know, just uh, I've always been a techie guy. I've always loved tearing motors apart when I was a kid, figuring out how they work, putting things back together. And and this this fits so well for me because I got to I got to come in and tear anything apart that I wanted and figure out how to put it back together. And one of my first experiences was getting to go to the transmitter and how to figure out how the transmitter get it back up. And so I'm out of the transmitter on the phone with an engineer. I'm trying to figure out what buttons to push. And just to see that transmitter, I just loved how everything worked inside of it. And so that was from some of my first years here. And I got to learn everything about the transmitter. And next thing you know, I'm 100 feet up in the air on the tower working on something. I just, I just loved every part of the backside of radio. I've never been a real air guy. And it just everybody always asks me, is like, why? Oh, why don't you ever be on air? And I've never really liked being on air. I've always loved the production side, making things work on the backside, actually making things fit, uh, make them make the engineering work. I like the engineering part, but one of the most uh, one of the most proud things I am lately of what we've got to build is a thing called Paragon TV. And yes, a lot of people are streaming nowadays. A lot of people are doing a lot of digital streaming and things like that, but we got to add radio. We, we mixed radio in with digital streaming. And so what we've done is we've always called ball games. You know, we've us as radio people, we've went out and called ball games for years. And that's just been part of sports forever. But to go out and add a video and do radio at the same time, it's not even the same as doing a TV broadcast because those guys can be quiet and just let it happen. We constantly have to be on the radio at the same time as the video's going. And so we have to constantly paint the picture and we've uh, we've created ways for our broadcasters to constantly paint the picture, but also give the video viewers a play by play broadcast. that's not overkill. And so um, we're we're going out, we're broadcasting 10 schools now and uh, we're video streaming across all kinds of networks. And we've had this has been one of the more successful blends of. I'm going to say kind of old school radio broadcast to new school video digital streaming. Yeah, let's explore that a little bit because that is certainly fascinating. It's a nice, interesting way of using the digital technology via the internet and in the old school radio. So you have 10 different schools. I assume they're all playing at the same time. 
Yes, it, it, you you have different uh, personnel out there at the, each one of these stadiums broadcasting a radio signal. Yes, and then doing the radio call, and then the video. And so, is there a single website where people go? Does each school have its own website? How are you executing that end of it to the end user? Well, we've we've put together a website that's uh, ParagonTV.com. And from that website, each school has its own website that goes off of that. So they get a personalized website that works for their own school. So if they want to do their own graduation, if they want to do softball, baseball, uh, little league, junior high, they have the equipment, they have the stuff, they can set it up and do their little things as well. But we go out and broadcast the football game and the basketball games, the two big sports as as, as of right now. And so it's worked so well with, uh, with the schools because we're partners with the schools. And, and I don't know if you guys know and wherever you're broadcasting at, but small schools are the most passionate schools there is for their basketball and their sports and their football, small schools. Now, large schools, they love it, but these small schools will clear out their towns to be at state championship and you could rob the whole town if you needed to, but (laughs) it is, uh, it's one of the most funnest things I've got to do, go out and see and, and be able to get the reactions of seeing people in the crowds, watching Paragon TV to be able to see all the other games that are playing right now, because they're all going to be end up playing them again. And so they kind of scout over Paragon TV. So just to get this straight, are you providing or are the schools providing the individual video feeds and talent broadcasters? Actually, we uh, our broadcasters, we've had to retrain broadcasters on how to just do radio broadcasts. Um, we've, we find somebody in town, in that town, that is passionate. Uh, we've had some that are young kids that uh, aspire to be in radio and TV broadcasting. And they're going to school for it the next year in college. And those have been some of our best broadcasters that they'll set with us for some games. We'll teach them the ropes and they love the sport and they'll just be out. And the people love them because it's one of their people broadcasting their game. And so we will uh, go out. We take a laptop and we take a camera. The schools buy all the equipment. And uh, we have a program we call VMix. It's it's called VMix, and we just build a build a little platform for them, and they push stream, and they start broadcasting. And then you got a little somebody from the school runs the camera back and forth. And the broadcast is the audio portion. Is that being broadcast over your on-air signals? Yes, it goes two different. It goes two directions. We will take it. We'll take the live stream. We'll push it off and go into. Uh, We'll take it over onto an air signal and then push it out into air. And then the video stream is on the website of the school's website to where they can they can go watch it and listen to it. Or if they're out and about in their car, they can listen to it on the radio as well. I'd imagine the uh, advertisers love that. Uh, that. That comes into another whole realm of advertising when you're a radio guy and you can walk down into the studio and cut an ad that you just wrote. Now, when this comes down to video, you've got to be able to cut a radio ad that has video with it that will fill the whole air. You know um, how you hear some radio signals or TV commercials that come across that don't have a lot of talk in them. They have just some musics. Well, we constantly have to have talk. 
we have to be able to make it a radio broadcast as well. So we're we're real aware of of making that a radio broadcast at the same time as making really good video commercials. So we've really come into the whole TV. We've had to buy cameras. We've had to go out and shoot production. And we're just doing way more than just radio now. Yeah, well, that's uh, really a great execution of the technology that's available to you as a broadcaster and using what you know, the audio side of things, and creating a whole new kind of bucket of revenue then. So clearly, with 10 schools, you're broadcasting these games live. You're connecting through the community, through the high schools. Are there other ways that the radio stations are connecting with the community? We do a lot of little things around the community and uh, just, you know, and I know a lot of radio stations have people just come in and talk about what's going on around the community. But, uh, you know, we have uh, we do a little kids fishing derby every year. And that's it's one of these things that we've just started about six years ago. And we have a, a little park here in our local town and kids come from all over the place to have a little fishing derby. And we we mark all these fish with we've actually got in touch with the Oklahoma uh, Wildlife and. The, all the game wardens come out in uniform. The kids get to see them, talk to them. They teach a little class about how to fish and how to throw a pole and how to bait a hook. And so uh, they also bring us fish. They uh, they stock our pond for us, and they stock it about a week ahead. And they tag about a hundred fish for us, and we go out there on, on that day and have a good fishing derby. And every prize, every tag fish wins a prize. And we've got sponsors attached to those prizes. And uh, it's probably one of the uh, the most attended uh, event that we have on an annual basis because of, I mean, we'll have 400 kids on a little bitty pond just fishing and tangling, tangling bobbers all over the place. It is the funnest thing to get to watch. And it gets a lot of parents and people outside. Well, and that you're hitting on such a an important element of, of connecting to communities. You know, it used to be the old adage of a newspaper would be, if you want to sell papers, put a picture of a kid, mm-hmm. a local kid on the front page, right? <laughs> and and that's because grandma and grandpa and mom and dad and cousins all want to see it. They all want to buy it. And it, it seems like that's a big part of your strategy too. You have these local high school kids doing your games, your football, your basketball games. And now you get this fishing derby where not only are the kids participating, you got them doing all the work. Yeah, it is. And, you know, we'll go the other way as well. And, and later in the year, about September, we have a car show. And uh, we just kind of, we have a classic rock station. And so we, we have a car show that goes along with it. But we partnered with, uh, it's a place called the Baptist Village, which is a assisted living kind of uh, nursing nursing home. And so we call it kind of Classics and Classics. And we, we go out and all these old cars come out all day for the car show. And then the, the elderly people will get to go out and take a drag. Well, some of the younger, you know, the people that have the cars, they'll go out and take them a drag around town and man, they just love it to get, be able to get out and get some of the cars that they used to, they used to own and drive in and cars that they've idolized forever are out there. And so we've, We've had that car show for about five years as well. And man, it's just, it's taken off and it's been, I'm not going to say it's a major revenue, but it really, really is fun for those guys. 
Oh, what a what a very special thing, I'm sure, for those uh, participants. And, and you do that once a year, you said? Yeah, that's an annual event that we've partnered up with those guys. And it's been, uh, it, it, I can't even say enough uh, just to see the look in their eyes of, of how much they feel. And to be able to get out and get in the car and just feel the power of some of those cars. Yeah. Well, that's pretty remarkable. That's two great, great local promotions that, you know, serve multiple functions connecting you and, and it's interesting how you're doing that with the different formatted radio stations too. I mean, it's just like old school radio connecting with that audience that is appropriate for each radio format. At the same time, you have this global Paragon ownership group overlooking the radio stations. So how many people uh, work at the various radio stations for Paragon? For Paragon locally, uh, just full-time, we run about 10 to 15 people. I'd say about 10 to 12 people right now. Uh, on the outside, when it comes sports time, uh, we'll add about 20, 25 people because we run, sometimes we run two men crews on some of the sports and just to kind of just kind of balance it out. And Plus, people don't like to go to games by themselves. So it's a lot of traveling because we cover every game, everyone, home games, away games, sports all the way across and playoffs. But, uh, it's, it's a lot of people to, uh, and a lot of personalities to manage around. And I know that it's, (laughs) it's a small area, but you know, and you know how it is dealing with, uh, good creative people. They are always creative all the time. (laughs) And I love them to death because they are so fun to be around. But they can say anything on air, and you just never know. You never know. Well, Gabe, over the last two decades, you've been able to kind of uh, put together a pretty good team. What have you learned about hiring and putting together uh, appropriate staff? You know, it's small town. It's uh, I say it's small town. We're in a town of about twelve thousand people here, and uh, locally, and then we've got the we're kind of a hub town around and. It, it kind of works out the same way as I was. Uh, I was just a guy and I was just didn't know anything about radio. But once I got into it, I just absolutely loved it. And we've had a couple of people come through like that. But on the selling side, a lot of times it's people that have been in the sales force before. But not a lot of people have been in radio, especially out here because they don't. People don't move to big cities out to small cities, to small towns, not generally, especially to go to work for a smaller radio station. So we've, uh, our process is I look for highly driven people that are driven in different areas of their life. And I've got a real estate agent now that she is really good at real estate. She does it part time and um, she's really good at it. And I've noticed that she's an athlete as well. She's young. She's 26. And I think that she is, uh, she's only been with us for only less than a year. And I think she's going to be one of, one of my top sellers coming out eventually, but you know, that's just waiting. That's kind of waiting to see when the, when the egg hatches. But, uh, I had a, uh, it's kind of a cool story. A guy that's worked with me exactly the same amount of time. He came in, uh, as a news, just a news guy. And we have a tradeo show. It's a buy, sell, and trade show. And he did that for, he did that for almost fifteen years, maybe maybe about twelve years. And uh, we office right next door to each other. Very smart guy. Very smart. I mean, uh, got a master's in education. Um, very red, kind of an old soul kind of guy. His name's Nathan. 
And uh, I kept telling him, I'm like, man, you should be in sales. You need to get in sales because he's like, I need to make more money. I need to make more money. And his personality is really dry, but he would never, never go to the boss and say, I need to make more money. So uh, finally he did. He went and said, hey, I'd like to sell a couple of things and I need to make, I need to make some more money. And so once he got into sales, it was an unusual turn of events. It took a little time, but he's the most unusual type of seller, but my top seller that I have here. And it, he never leaves the office hardly. Um, he does on a couple of occasions during, you know, not very often, but he sells everything long-term. He always sells with, he's the most different seller I have ever seen in my life. I have, everybody sells, Hey, it's radio time and it's time to get your ad cut and let's go here. He sells on precise radio skills of, of making sure that that advertiser gets their message across in not a very, it's all not a cheesy way, but real sincere. He has a lot of them cut their own ads in a conversational and it has worked so well that even through, I'll say now through this COVID-19 deal, his billing is still continuing the same. Well, he's clearly built relationships. So, but let's go back to the patience that sounded like you had to exhibit <laughs> with him in that training process that bringing him up to speed and what were you seeing that maybe said, you know what, this is going to be okay. There was the, uh, the patience of it was just, uh, he had to go through a lot of the times of learning a lot of things himself as he got out there. I mean, we all sold the same way back in the day. We also, but when he got into sales, you just, you go out, you see the customer, you bring it back in, you write the ad, you get it cut, you get it in, you get it approved and get it going. Well, he, uh, it was odd because he never left to go out and see. He built relationships through, uh, just being around town a little bit. He'd go out and see people. He wouldn't go see them to sell them. He always was out just building and he was more patient than even we were because he wasn't trying to build it all, build Rome in one day. He was building it slowly, block by block. And now that he's been in sales for eight years, about eight years now, his blocks are built and they're solid. His relationships are solid. And I'm just super impressed. So I've been super impressed with him. He's just really smart. And he comes to my office and is helping me write all the time. He's just such a good writer. Well, that's because of perhaps that news background and he's, uh, but the diligence and the respect he now has in that community is something that probably speaks volumes to the clientele. From a station standpoint, you bring in, you've mentioned these creatives that are always creative. You have a news guy that you converted to sales. How do you bring the whole team together? How do you internally get them to work together? Man, it's fun. It is so fun to be able to to be able to work with creative people like this. And and when you say it's a team here, um, I manage three radio stations here, three radio stations about an hour south of of here in Elk City, and also a publication, and also the Paragon team, all the sports teams. And I know you, I know you know Tom as 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 a manager and owner yourself. It is a lot of different personalities coming in at you. And um, so being able to get the communication to work between all of them, it's, it's a little tough sometimes. I, I, 
I always say to myself, oh man, what? how did we miss that? We're in the communication business. How did I miss that? And we're supposed to be good at this, but you know, we, we just miss it. There's so much communication that's got to happen between each other that you try to create ways to be able to make sure that people are communicating with each other. And, you know, and I know everybody hates going to meetings about meetings and talking about meetings, but it's just, they're, they're so crucial to get together and, you know, have a sales meeting and then go have a uh, public, a, a production meeting of, of something that's coming up on video and being able to make sure everybody's on the same page and being clear and concise and making sure they know the direction you're going. Um, everybody I believe needs a leader in some, in some way, somebody's just got to step up and take the role. And, and, you know, I just, I was fortunate just to get in this and from playing in a softball game to end up being general manager of six radio stations it was just, it's really kind of, just, it surprises me when I look back sometimes. Well, it appears that you've also never slowed down or rested on your laurels. And I want to get into um, another aspect of the Paragon Group that you have there, and that is a print publication. But first, we're going to take a short break and hear from John Garziglia on a legal matter. And then we will return to hear the cool radio story of Gabe Edmonds. <laughs> It's time to Ask John, a regular feature where we ask John Garziglia, a partner with the FCC law firm Womble Bond Dickinson, about legal matters facing the broadcast radio industry. Today's email bag question concerns, well, podcasting. As a number of radio stations begin to produce podcasts, uh, one of the owners wants to know if their current licensing covers them using music in podcast. No. Um, Sound Exchange and most ASCAP and BMI agreements only cover broadcast and real-time streaming of music. Podcasting is the rec- recordation of music played back on demand, and those licenses do not cover that type of activity with the content. Now, there is some music that's specifically licensed for use in podcasts, but generally, if, uh, if it's music that you would uh, normally play on a radio station, it's not cleared for use in podcasts. Rather, if a podcaster wants to use a specific, specific cut of, of music in a podcast, the, the right to do so has to be individually sought from both songwriters and those who hold the rights to the song, and, for those, uh, and, and also from those who, who hold the rights to the recording. There are several rights that have to be sought. It's sort of like a movie maker using music in a movie. Each use of music in a movie is, for the most part, individually licensed. Also worth, worth mentioning here is uh, that there is no 30 or 20 second rule, nor does fair use generally apply to using music in a podcast. First of all, fair use is a defense, and that can only be invoked after you're sued, so the goal should be uh, not to be sued. And second, the application of fair use in, is generally narrow and for music would most likely be limited to just using a snippet of music for something uh, like critical commentary and certainly not playing the whole song. Finally, it's worth noting that not just music is copyrighted, but for podcasts, uh, uh, you can't use anything uh, without, uh, that, that somebody else created without obtaining a license or consent. This applies to any content created by somebody else. Thus, a podcast presenter can't read the text of a book or a magazine article without clearance to do so, unless it's just using a sentence or two for critical commentary under fair use. And if you are sued for a copyright violation, the penalties assessed by a court can be substantial. 
anywhere from $500 to $150,000 per violation. It's time now to return to the cool radio story of Gabe Edney. In the last couple of decades, Gabe has been running Paragon Communications out in Oklahoma, where he has done a remarkable job of both local radio broadcasts coupled with promotions, events, high school sports, uh, video streams, audio streams, and a newspaper. In this day and age, Gabe, you are a genius if you are able to make a newspaper work, and not the least of which is a penny saver. Why don't you tell us how that works? Well, the penny news became part of us. Uh, I'm gonna. It's been about 12 years ago. Uh, I'm gonna say maybe maybe 10 years ago. I'm not sure exactly, but when it came to us as 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 the company bought a publication, you know, yes, we always competed. We always went out and said, "Oh, don't be in paper. You need to be in radio." It is so nice to have because it's it's not just your regular newspaper. People don't pick it up. It's a shopper. And so people don't pick it up just to pick it up and read news. They're picking it up to see businesses ads. And that is we once we realize that, we realize that, oh, okay, so now we can mix our radio stuff with the penny news stuff as the publication and we'll package it together. And when you sell, I was telling my sellers is when you sell it, you just sell the dual package and they've got all the advertising they need. And you don't have to fight against each other on the paper or radio. And so ever since we've done that, um, yes, the publication, it is old school. Once it's in there, it's in there for a week because it's a weekly publication. And we did learn some lessons on that because, you know, being radio people, you can change an ad just like that and it'll fix up. You can fix it up quick and get out of trouble, get out of hot water. But once that 22,000 copies are out on the street all over Western Oklahoma and the Texas Panhandle, there's nothing you can do. It's just on you and your customers will see it. And so is that a fully uh, analog operation? It's all print. Is there any digital component to that? Uh, yeah, we do have the pennynewsonline.com. Yeah, we have fully went digital with the whole thing. And uh, we use that as some digital co-op for some places. And we're able to just put them on the digital side and able to use co-op ads in there for uh, some of the car dealers, uh, some of the implement dealers and things like that, just to use, just to get some co-op digital dollars because everybody's being forced to co-op, you know, on their co-op in digital. Well, now that's a really interesting aspect of uh, how you're getting, connecting with the customer is by giving them, obviously you're right, as as the edicts are coming down from, you know, corporate headquarters to the Ford dealer, uh, put your money in digital, or we're only going to support you for putting money into digital. You have that opportunity for them. It's, and at the same time, it probably has print specs to it. Mm-hmm. and which they're very familiar with. And then you can go in and say, well, the rest of your budget, we'll put on the radio station and also sponsor some high school games. We have a lot of avenues and I'm, I'm, you know, it's, if you're a seller here, you have everything to sell right now. And I just, that, I feel like that's some of my job is to make sure that they have every way to market and be marketers and not radio sellers. Now they're marketers to market across the board. And that's what I'm, I'm really happy with my, my salespeople love it because I'm constantly in their face and going, 
Hey, you got this to sell. You got this to sell. I'm not telling them to sell. I'm telling them that you have a lot of things to sell. So there's no, there's no lack for sales here. So let's talk about how you're training those sellers then when they have multimedia options, you know, big, big thing for radio station managers to overcome is they have radio sellers and introduce digital, introduce print. Now you've talked in video. How do you communicate that? It is, uh, it's, it's kind of tough, but I, I'm doing it slow and really slow with patience. I was telling you about Lexi, the 26 year old that we just hired a little while back. I started her in radio as on the air. She just sat in and watched on air and how it worked. And I wanted her to learn how to run the boards and run to actually feel what it's like to be there. And then she's worked up to being on air and uh, doing some of the on air things. And so I want her before she gets into sales, I want her to get into to make sure she knows the back end of all the video, how to run sports broadcasts. And I'm trying to say I'm trying to train i try to train on all the hands-on first so she will then know what she's exactly what she's selling and she's confident when she goes into sale and i always make sure that they see the arbitron ratings arbitron slash nielsen so they know exactly what they're selling they know the numbers they know how to explain them well and and at the same time they may come across a potential client that has interest only in one of your products Mm -hmm. is there a cross sale that tends to go on or do they say okay sure here's our print publication uh if they if they ask for a penny news let's say we're we're going to make a sale they say hey i'd like to get in your penny news we have packages that mix and match where they can add a little bit of radio and and anything but yeah they'll sell them the penny news ad for the publication but um they will always offer the other the others across the board, but you know, whenever the young ones, not as well, but the older, I say the older sales reps, they will make sure that they get every dollar oh, and I, and, and make sure that it does work. They want to put them in the right places and to make sure that it does fit their business. Yeah. And that seems to be part of the education process that mm-hmm. house is to say, here's where this particular medium is going to be most impactful for this type of client or this type of messaging. Two of my four sellers, Tom, are older than me and they've been in the radio longer than me. So it's hard to teach some old dogs, new tricks. (laughs) Well, but in this day and age, it's a survival tactic for them as well. Yeah, They've, they've really adapted well and, uh, technology wise, they, they just have to adapt. They know they do. And, and they have, they've done really well. It's just some things it's hard to teach. Uh, I can teach a 26 year old in 10 minutes that I, it takes me about 10 days to teach a 56 year old. Well, it's a, a process. So let's talk about you and you have a lot of, uh, plates spinning around, especially yeah. from football season, I imagine when you have all sorts of your Friday nights must be a little hectic. How do you personally keep yourself organized? What are some of the tools you use to help manage this process? Oh, I use a Google calendar. That's my main thing. My main thing is to keep every event on a Google calendar, make sure I know where to be at what time. Uh, I'm sure everybody's got iPhones and all kinds of stuff. I use my reminders constantly to make sure I'm not late. Uh, And just to know, uh, I have a lot of people here that I have a program director that takes care of a lot of air stuff and he just knows we've worked together for so long. And, uh, 
good people in the right places. Uh, I've learned that from my boss, uh, the owner of this company. He constantly is surrounding himself with good people to where I don't have to remember and be at everything and be exactly uh, at the football game because we've got good people there and taking care of it. So um, I'm just the, you know, I, I just, I'm just the fire starter. I start a lot of fires and I've got good people that will, uh, can get out and get it done. But sometimes I get too many fires started and they, they look at me like, we don't have enough fire trucks, man. We can't put it all out. But I'm I'm just uh, I'm just a spark plug kind of guy that just doesn't lay down, man. I love to go, I love to go hard, and and then some people just like to rest a little. But I, I just I just really like to get a lot of things going and try to keep up with it all, and try to make sure that they're all done to as as high as as high as uh I can high as uh, I'm I'm missing a word here to the highest. Go ahead, Tom. Finish it for well, me. You Give like me to one. bring it to the highest level, and you like. I do. I like to bring it up all the way, and I, I turn it up a lot. And my people sometimes get pretty <laughs> mad at me, but I just, I'm just a little. I just, I run a little hot yeah. sometimes. Well, it, it's. I'm sure it's a very exciting place to work. It uh, is. Well, we alluded to it at the beginning of the show, Gabe. And that is the current uh, economic conditions that certainly impacted by the COVID-19 crisis. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to get your thoughts on how you guys are handling that and some suggestions you uh, might be able to help other radio station owners with. But first, we're going to take a short break for a little word from one of our radio partners. And then we will return to hear the rest of the cool radio story of Gabe Ebney. Your ears are dialed into Cool Radio Stories, a podcast presented by Cool Radio Streaming. Now a word from a radio partner. Hi, this is Scott Murray, president and founder of Big Deals Media. Our mission is to help media companies create powerful new business advertising programs paid for in part with trade or gift certificates. You might be familiar with Groupon or other deals programs. And while we all deal with gift certificates as the currency, I can tell you with 100% certainty that Big Deals is a well-thought-out, appealing marketing program for your advertisers and a much more lucrative revenue solution for your company. You see, while many deals programs are a revenue share, where your company is splitting the sale of the certificates as much as 50%, with Big Deals, you keep 93% of your sales. And to ensure your success, we actually come into your market to work directly with your sellers so your sales team sees firsthand the best way to present this solution. Big Deals is changing the way Main Street is buying local media. Today, we have over 3,000 businesses participating in a Big Deals program, and that number is growing every day. How much revenue can you drive from a Big Deals program? We have affiliates generating in excess of $200,000 annually and have been doing so with us since we launched Big Deals during the last economic downturn 10 years ago. Think about it. How good would it look on your P&L right now if your website and digital marketing efforts were driving that kind of revenue? For small businesses, barter is always a popular way of doing business. However, in an economic downturn, barter is king, and monetizing the barter is key for your company. To learn more, go to our website, bigdealsmedia.com, or call us at 952-905-3262. We 
turn now to the cool radio story of Gabe Edney, General Manager at Paragon Communications in Oklahoma. Gabe, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, we're under a bit of a cloud. It's the COVID-19 crisis has uh, gripped America and certainly hurt uh, many local retailers, etc., radio's core businesses. What are you telling the staff? How are you guys preparing? What are you doing uh, to handle and manage this crisis? I say, I'm going to say that it hasn't affected us, but I know it has. I, I see the numbers. I see, uh, I'm actually seeing some car dealers and different people that are, that have always said, yes, we're busy all the time. We're busy that are actually saying, man, I haven't seen, I haven't seen very many people coming in and they're, they're hurting a little bit as well. And so we've tried, we've tried to help out some long-term customers, some people that have been on with us on the radio, in the paper, on our football games, basketball games, solid customers. We have went out and we've done some added value for them. Um, we traditionally never, never offer added value, but these are some things that I, I just know that our customers need, even though that they, a lot of people aren't getting out. And so we've had, uh, we've had quite a few doctors on air just to kind of give the, to be able to help the community kind of understand how is it, how is the COVID we do, uh, we do constant updates. We actually now run, uh, three updates per day. I think we run them. I'm going to ask my program director, but I'm pretty sure we run them at 10, two and four every single day about how many cases are up, where we're at in this County. And we give a report on every County. And so we're just informing people just want the numbers. They want to see where the curve's at if there really is a curve, I don't know if I agree with it, but if there is a curve, they, they want to know where it's at. Is it getting better? Are we, is it getting over with? Are we getting close? And I feel like we're getting close. I mean, we've, I just heard our report today and cases are going down and I've heard uh, business. I've seen contracts starting to come in again. And so there's some of the things that I'm, I've been pretty happy to see here recently. Yeah. So you're obviously the school, you lost some sports seasons in the spring, I imagine, but hopefully things will return in the fall. Yeah, we yeah. did. Yeah. Spring sports, but we're looking for football season to come around the corner. You mentioned something there I wanted to ask about. It, it reminded me of uh, I'd sold radio time in resort radio markets and those kind of markets tend to see these peaks of activity where when the tourists uh, are in town, businesses are so busy that it's difficult to even sit down with a lot of business owners. And yet it was really those off seasons that uh, the money could be made because they were kind of sitting around twiddling their thumbs. Are you finding that now maybe in this uh, circumstances with COVID, et cetera, with business people not perhaps as busy that they're a tad bit more willing to sit down and visit with you? Are you seeing that at the car dealers, for example? Yeah, a little bit, but you know, they are, car dealers are such a different animal and we all as radio people and, uh, just advertising people, we know how finicky radio or car dealers can be, uh, the owners of car dealers and, uh, you know, they just, when they're high, they're high, when they're low, you better watch out. They're low. And we've, we've all know that we've all been in the office when they're not in a good mood and they come in hot. You know, but there there's car dealers out there that are just absolutely great. But in the long run, all the ones that I've I've worked with, you've just gotta you just gotta work around them because 
you know, a car dealer for radio stations, it's big business. Well, absolutely. And it used to be the ultimate category and, and the, uh, a great large percentage of that money went into other media, in particular digital. And that's why it was so interesting to visit with you about your vi- digital components. And just one more thing. I know you said you do the, are, are there digital aspects to the radio stations as well? Are you doing things on the website and there for revenue? Uh, we do, we do the webs. Yeah, we do a lot of website and, and our news, um, we have a news guy that uh, a news director that puts out three newscasts a day and on all stations. And once he posts those stories, he'll post them on our website and we, we will go and sell those. We'll go and sell just a, a banner ad across the top of those news stories. And that's, that's some digital revenue there coming in on the website. Um, those stories go out from there onto Facebook and they just, we watch them just get unbelievable hits. And that's kind of an interesting thing, Tom, about how radio is really so ambiguous to people. And it's weird because they cannot get a number of how many people, and they can't fathom why they can't get a number of people that listen exactly, but they can get on Facebook and see how many people looked at their post. And so as an advertiser and a seller, this has been kind of a tough thing to work against because we don't have the major stats to give them the deep stats to give them through radio and the things that they're used to. Now they're getting so used to being able to see how many people are hitting their website, how many people are coming to their website, how many uniques are there? How many uh, people seen my Facebook page? They have a stat for everything. And that is just something that we can't get. That's the challenge once again, but you are finding ways around that by you know getting in that game and not ignoring it realizing that this is being demanded and so as a radio station owner with websites i'm sure you're providing a lot of those uh, analytics yeah we've we run google analytics and then we we have to go and sell those analytics to you know the customer and just so hey here's what here's how many people are probably going to see your ad here's the history of what we've had and so we try to work off of some of those google analytics and and especially on our our sports sites to see it show how many people have watched the games and then have went back and watched the games after they've been archived. So we we work off of a lot of numbers, but uh, we try we try to drive it with radio first. Meaning, we try to make sure that radio is the driven force for each one. You have to go and to be able to hear this news story, you have to wait till five to listen to it. But here's the update, kind of you're going to be able to hear coming up at five. Um, We've tried some other digital things with uh, with digital and radio both, and uh, we've done a, a DJ test drive, and it was a DJ that one of our DJs that was kind of real creative, funny, drove a car for a week, and we went out and cut funny videos about it every day, and we'd post them, and we'd post it on our website, and it was a revenue getter. We we sold it first, and the, the car dealer bought it, and um, it it worked well. It was fun. It was actually, it was really fun getting to shoot it. Um, we've, we've also had some things that haven't worked and being from a smaller area where there's not as many people as a, uh, a major market, we've, we've run it, we've run some geo-targeting campaigns and some geo-fencing with the, uh, with a company and we ran it and we were, 
we were giving away free stuff. I mean, it was, we were giving away free stuff. We were knocking prices off over a hundred bucks, just trying to get people to stop in the different places and do different things. But it was just not successful. We could not get results from it. We didn't have enough people here to be able to see the, the, the numbers were just weren't here to, to be able to see it within these, the geofencing of you got to be on all these apps to be able to see these different things. And, we just couldn't get it done. And so we've, we kind of abandoned that. Now we're, we're still running our texting program, which is another revenue stream. If you got morning shows and afternoon shows, we just use the text line and call it the casino text line. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think you raise a good point though, that you have to also be willing to cut uh, the line. I mean, you obviously have tried a lot of different things, many successful, some old school, some new school. And some didn't work. And so, but you were able to say, okay, you know what? We learned a lot. We know we can't do this. It's not in our client's interest, et cetera. And so let's get out of it. Gabe, uh, any closing comments? Man, Tom, I've had a good time. Thank you for uh, asking me to be on the podcast. Uh, Hope everything's well with you guys. And I'll just tell everybody that uh, we have been with uh, cool, cool radio streaming for a long time. And uh, we've, we have done so well. Everything works all the time. And Tom here, the man, he will, uh, one of the best support systems we've had with any kind of our, our different technologies that we use. So Tom, we want to thank you as well. Well, thanks. I did not put you on the show to say that. So I appreciate it. I know you didn't, but (laughs) we've been working together a lot lately on some new projects. But I was just absolutely fascinated by your story because I think that, uh, for radio in the 2020s, you know, your model is one that really needs to be studied and looked at because of your success, but also because of the variety in the offerings. And, and so how, if people are interested, Gabe, how can they find you? Well, you can find me at uh, just Gabe at KECOFM.com. That's my email address. Um, uh, you can call at the station at 580-225-9696. And you can get me here at the office. And I'm usually here if I'm not on the road back and forth, but I'm around somewhere. So I'd love to hear from you. Oh, Gabe, that's great. We appreciate it. We'll also put uh, a lot of this contact information uh, in the show notes, as well as links to Paragon TV, to Penny News, et cetera. It has been a real treat listening to your cool radio story, Gabe. Thanks again. All right. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate you guys. Well, we are not done just yet here on Cool Radio Stories. We always like to end with a little audio vignette uh, covering digital, how you can extend your digital presence and hopefully make a little bit more money by digging into digital. It's time to dig into digital, our segment on how you can use digital to unleash the power of your station. Here's our digital guide, Zhang Wanzong, CEO of RadioMax. Let's talk about your digital strategy. The first question, some of you may be actually laughing going, oh, do we, we, we don't have one. That, that's the first step. And so what does that mean to have a digital strategy? So it kind of depends where you are in the timeline of what you're actually doing digital. And some of you may be doing nothing. Some of you may be way ahead of the curve and doing a lot. But either way, the principles of a digital strategy pretty much stay true. So the first thing to do is identify what are your digital assets. I think we talked about in one of the previous episodes about your website. It's a great digital asset if you're using it properly. 
and you're getting listeners to come there and uh, get the information that you as a station want to convey to your listeners. Mobile, obviously, probably the biggest component that you need as part of your digital strategy. If you don't have a mobile app, it's high time you get one. Social, we've talked about that in previous broadcasts. Social is another part of your digital strategy. So if you just take those three components, social, website, and mobile, at least you can start to see a picture without being too overwhelmed of what we can do on those three and how we can have those three, social, mobile, and web, work in unison to provide the content and the experience that you want the listeners to have to drive the results that the advertisers are looking for to engage with your listeners. So let's break those down a little bit. Social, as we talked about, you want to have three pieces of content where you're providing information and one that's going to drive action. The action may be to go to your website to learn more about a promotion that you're running, to go to your mobile app where you're running a poll about one of your advertisers. With the website, you want to have, obviously, the components that we've talked about in the past that are local to your community, but you want to make sure you have nice presence to include your advertisers. And I know it sounds simple, but having well-placed banner ads that are front and center, that have good content, good messaging to help drive people or listeners to engage with that advertiser. And then we talk about mobile. Once you get the mobile in place, more than likely, if you have a good app, you're going to have the ability to upload banner ads to that mobile app. If you have other digital components, advertising components with the app, such as doing polls and contests, what you can now do is package all those digital assets together. So now you've got social, you've got website banner ad advertising, you've got banner ad web um, advertising on your mobile, you've got polls, you've got content, you've got different messaging, messaging that you can do that you can bundle together to go to your advertiser and say, here are the digital components that we can do on top of what we're doing on air. And because people are gravitating towards the digital experience, it's going to open up new revenue opportunity. That's John Wanzung, CEO of Radiomax. For more on using digital to unleash the power of your station, visit radiomax.co. That does now conclude our episode. We thank Gabe Edney once again for sharing his cool radio story with us today on the podcast. I'm your host, Tom Dobrez, owner of Cool Radio Streaming. Anything we can do for you, audio, video, digital, uh, let us know at coolradiostreaming.com. You've been listening to Cool Radio Stories, a production of Cool Radio Streaming. For more information, show notes, guest profiles, and more, visit CoolRadioStories.com and subscribe to the podcast at Apple iTunes, Overcast, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts.